Hi there and welcome. Now it's time for America's favorite podcast. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. If it's fly, loose fit it. It's Cortez. If freeze and chubbies in it. It's Cortez. Leave your mark. It's about inspiring the world. One guess at a time. Pass the word from Brooklyn to Pittsburgh, from urban to suburb. It's Cortez, you heard? And here is our host, Vince Cortez. This is Leave Your Mark. I'm Vince Cortez, and today's guest is Christian Montana. Christian has an extraordinary big heart. He's known for his athletics and his football play, but his biggest score was being a blood marrow donor to Jim Calhoun. Christian, thank you for being a guest here today. Thank you for having me. It's well, an honor to be able to talk about this story. Th- this is this is an extraordinary story. Um, you're the first uh, donor that we've had on the show. So very excited to talk to you and, and get into that part of the story. What I'd like to do is a little background on you, uh, where you were born and raised and what your family life was like. So can you share with me where your childhood began? Yeah, definitely. So I'm from uh, Shoreline, Connecticut, New Haven, Connecticut area. Uh, I, I went to a small private high school growing up. I played football there. Um, I grew up with both my mom and my dad. Um, my mother's parents, my grandfather and grandmother on her side, were with me through um, my grandfather passed away in high school. My grandmother passed away when I was in college. But three of four of them actually had cancer. So um, that ended up being a big reason why I wanted to do the bone marrow donation and join the registry to begin with. But so grew up in Connecticut, went to college in Brown University, Providence, Rhode Island. That's where I actually joined the bone marrow registry. Uh, Brown football every year, we do a, draw, a mouth swab drive through Be The Match, which works with the Rhode Island Blood Bank. And um, so my freshman year, I did the mouth swab, didn't really think anything of it. They say only I think 2%, 5% of people ever get a call back. They might be a match for someone someday. So it was one of those things. I joined it. Four years later, I got a phone call from someone at the Rhode Island Blood Bank. They said, hey, we think you might be a match for someone. Would you be willing to come back for some secondary testing? Uh, I said, of course, but I just got home for Thanksgiving break. I'll be gone for a week, kind of come in next Monday. So then uh, they said that was no problem at all. We did it. I didn't hear anything for about a month and a half to two months and just as the new year was coming in they uh they said you're our best match would you be willing to go forward with the bone marrow donation and it, it was a no-brainer for me and my family everyone was super supportive of it here i need uh, to stop you right there where was your childhood at you grew up uh new haven connecticut area okay and then ma what was uh, did you have siblings in your family i did an only child Okay, and then what was uh, what was Dad's job like? Uh, my dad is his own business in uh, in Milford, their distributor. Okay, and Mom, did she work or? And she does. She worked for AT and T for uh, thirty years. Okay, now you mentioned just a moment ago that um, your grandparents were a big influence on you. Um, can you share with me what that was like? Yeah, I'm, I mean, uh, like I said, my my grandparents on my mother's side were. Uh, were around for longer than my father's side so they basically ordered everything growing up they came to all my sporting events every uh every school event i had every holiday they hosted it they were a part of it they were they were huge in my life and they were part of that number one fan group you have growing up now did um your grandfather your dad play sports like what was your influence to play sports my parents always pushed me to do what I enjoyed growing up. I mean, no, none of them ever played uh, to the collegiate level. They played in high school. They played growing up when they were younger, but no one ever played collegiately. They were uh, super supportive, though. I mean, I, I always enjoyed playing sports from a young age. 
from just with kind of neighborhood friends. And so as I got older, I, uh, I got bigger. I kind of got better at some sports than others, football being the one I got better at. It's kind of interesting because a lot of times, guys, your alignment, uh, when you're playing in high school, were you alignment or did you play different positions on the field? I did. So from day one, they stuck me uh, on the offensive line. I was a little bit of defensive line, too, in high school, but offensive line was really where I Which uh, did you like better? It's funny. I enjoyed both sides of the ball. I mean, it, offense was nice. They're different. Offense was nice because you have a very clearly defined plan and objective for every single play, and you if to execute the job you've been assigned, where defense is a little bit more read and react. You uh, just see what's going on in high school, at least, and give your best effort to chase the ball down. So it was, it was fun to play both sides of it. Connect with us on LinkedIn. Be our friend on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. You are listening to, listening to Vince Cortez. We just want you to leave your mark. So now you, you make it uh, to Brown University, which um, you get some good academics, obviously. Um, you're a standout in any achievements that you want to, uh, were special to your heart that you accomplished at that level? Uh, no, I, I was very fortunate. My um, So I actually have Crohn's disease. So my freshman year, I was pretty sick. I didn't get to play too much, and I actually got a redshirt year for it. But then uh, as a sophomore, I started um, from our fourth game on, and then I played basically for the rest of my career at Brown. Uh, I was fortunate. I was an all-Ivy player. Uh, I was So I was all-confident in the Ivy League. I was a Walter Camp player, Connecticut Player of the Year, uh, my senior year at Tulane. Now, when uh, did you transfer to Tulane? Did you redshirt a year? Or? Yep, so that's an interesting story. So I redshirted my freshman year at Brown because I was sick. I really wasn't able to play much. I was diagnosed my senior year of high school, and I was pretty sick for about two a year and a half, two years afterwards, until I kind of got under control, thankfully. Since then, I've been very healthy. But so uh, my freshman year, I redshirted. Then I played my sophomore, junior, what would have been senior year. And going into that fifth year that I was going to have, I broke my foot in our first game. And so I was actually granted a sixth year of eligibility from the NCAA. But due to Ivy League rules, you can't play as a graduate student in the Ivy League. As I graduated in December, I uh, had to find a new home for January. So the the connections from Brown to Tulane, how did that play out? Was that a, a coach that knew about you or how did yeah, that Yeah, I mean, Tulane was a school that I always had interest in. I mean, academics always meant the most to my parents growing up. I mean, they said pursue football as much as you want, but you better have good grades and do well in school also. So uh, Tulane was always a school that I looked at and considered, but it was just further away. And it kind of, because of that, played itself out as a, as a undergraduate option for me. I wanted to be somewhat closer to Connecticut. But then being, being a bit older, being 22, 23 years old, you're more mature. I was more comfortable to go somewhat across the country to a school. And um, they, they were hungry for offensive linemen. They needed help there. I mean, it was a school, that, like I said, that I had interest in. And it just, it just fit well. I reached out to a lot of schools in that process, though, trying to figure out where uh, the best place would be for me as a graduate player. So you wind up at Tulane and you're going to play uh, against Army. And this turns out to be a special situation. Fill me in on the timeline then, because that's a big deal with that game being covered and what it was you did with the bone marrow transplant and gym and CBS picked up on it and everything like this. So if you could kind of give me the timeline then on how that whole thing played out. 
Yeah, definitely. So I started Tulane in January of 19. That February 1st of 19 was exactly one year date from my bone marrow donation. There's that one year no contact period. So it was just after February 1st that I had met Jim or spoke with Jim for the first time over the telephone. And then uh, from there, we kind of just smothed our spitballed ideas of a place we could actually meet. I knew that I was going to be in Louisiana for pretty much the foreseeable future with one one weekend break, basically, I came back home in May. And that's when we actually met for the first time in person. But uh, everyone at Tulane was super supportive of the idea of making this a pretty cool event that we could share. And uh, Coach Fritz, our head coach, and Katie Morris, our social media director, that she kind of they kind of both helped plan it. But they can get get him up there for the game. Uh, hopefully, get him on the sideline with us. And so uh, it all it all just came together through the efforts of a lot of people. It was a really cool experience. I mean, the part of the story to me is, is knowing that you had Crohn's and uh, doing a bone marrow transplant, you have to put your name as a donor on the list. Am I not correct? Yep. Yeah. And that's actually part of the reason I ended up doing the marrow donation through the actual hip versus the peripheral stem cell donation, which is what they do to the blood. So because of the injections they have to give you to stimulate your immune system to produce more red blood cells and whatever stem cell they filter out through the peripheral stem cell route, I was ineligible because they were afraid that I'd become sick with a Crohn's flare up. So the alternate, the alternative way and the more, uh, the old, the older way of doing it was the true marrow harvest through the hip when they kind of draw it out with the big needles you can kind of think of. But uh, yeah, so it was a, it was basically a general surgery procedure. I went to Dana-Farber Cancer Hospital in the morning after weeks of testing to make sure there'd be no sort of risk to myself through the procedure. And um, went in there about five in the morning, my mom and I, I think surgery started right around seven and I woke up at right around 11 o'clock and they, uh, in the recovery room and they said, everything went well, you're, you're healthy, you're going to be here for a few hours recovering, but then... Uh, we already sent the mayor out to your recipient. At that point, I obviously had no idea who he was, like I said. If you are listening from Australia, Florida, or just from around the corner. From East Coast to West Coast outlets, if you're not to the dirty South Street, make a left body body. Contact us. Leave your mark with your host, Vince Cortez. Okay, so I want to take a couple steps back because typically we're talking to the person that has the problem in finding out about the mm-hmm. cancer. So at the young age that you did, when you found out you had Crohn's, what was your, what was your initial thought when you found out you had Crohn's disease? So I, I kind of know a little bit about it. My mom has some autoimmune things on my mom's side. There is a little bit of an autoimmune disease history. My grandma had rheumatoid arthritis. My mom has MS and Crohn's disease. So I, I knew that there was somewhat of a genetic likelihood that I'd have some issue down the road. Um, thankfully, like I said, my Crohn's is well controlled now, but I was sick for a while after my uh, senior football season in high school. I think I got sick right around, right after Christmas time, January. And I, and I was pretty sick from January till late March when they finally figured out what the issue was. Okay. So when they find out what the issue was, um, what was your initial thought? Uh, I knew that it was just something that I had to figure out a way to kind of deal with. I mean, like, like anything in life, you get thrown a lot of curveballs. And thankfully for me, I mean, at the end of the day, it's 
it's an inconvenience, but I knew that it wasn't something that was going to threaten my life. I knew that it wasn't going to slow me down. And thankfully, it wasn't a direct threat to my life and the way that I live life. I just knew that I'd need to overcome a couple of hurdles and, and figure out the way to live with it. So, Okay, so now then what makes you decide to be a bone marrow donor or put your name in the list for something like as as recent as having the Crohn's as you did? This is you know, you're making big emotional decisions here at a very young age. So I'm, I'm very curious. Yeah. So to... Andy Talley is the head football coach at Villanova. It was at the time and he started what was the first collegiately football sponsored bone marrow registry drive. And since then, it's grown through a number of schools in New England. Brown does it. Villanova does it. Most of the Ivy League schools do it, actually, I should say. A lot of the FCS schools, so the um, like your your division one double a the smaller division one schools then they uh every every spring it is they do the mouth swab drives at their, on our campuses and so as i was actively recruiting people on campus to get their own mouth swabbed i said i'll sign up myself and do it as well so i mean it's the process that takes no more than 10 minutes take a couple of q-tips swipe your mouth and fill out the paperwork and that was it and like i said i really didn't think much would come from it they said so few people are ever selected Okay, so that being that a few people were selected when you get the call that there's a, a person that is in need of your bone marrow and is recent as you gave the swab, what, what were you thinking then? So like I said, I just got home for Thanksgiving break. What was um, my academic senior or my academic senior year? Yes. And then, uh, so I remember I just got home. I was unpacking my things. My phone rang. I saw a 401, which is Providence area code phone number. And I was thinking either I forgot something at school or I'm in trouble for something. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it ended up being the blood bank who works with the bone marrow registry. They're the local um, unit that kind of gets in touch with patients or whoever they're trying to get in contact with. And they said, hey, we think you're, you're a preliminary match. Would you come back for secondary testing? I said, sure, I'll be back uh, next Monday if that's appropriate. I can come back then. And so I went back up there when school started the following week, did the testing, and then I didn't hear anything for over a month. It was just about the beginning of the new year when I actually heard something back that, hey, you're the best match. Would you be willing to go forward? And when you gave the bone marrow and you were talking there about the hip, how much does that affect you? Like, how does your health recover from that? Like yeah. you, you mentioned was, before, it, it only hurt for a few days, but but you knew, you know, a few days didn't matter to you helping somebody save their life. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I mean, I would have done it any time of the year regardless, but I knew I, I was fortunate. The, the stars really lined up well. It was the off season for me. It was February. So, I mean, we, uh, we have football weightlifting and conditioning, but thankfully it was nothing to the point where I'd be missing any sort of games or anything like that sort. And everyone at Brown was super supportive. I mean, the uh, Phil Estes, our head coach, Frank Sheehan, my offensive line coach, they were all super supportive. And they said, hey, if you, if you miss two weeks, if you miss three weeks, we'll figure it out. But it's obviously something that's worth it. And they were in full support of. So uh, it, it was an easy decision. And plus my family. I mean, my mom was super supportive of it. My father, I mean, everyone, everyone said go for it. It was an easy decision. You turned into a superhero of a different sort there. You know, oh. we're going to need to make a new uniform with a new cape with an M on it. I don't know if they have one of those right now, 
but I mean, the 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 uh, idea of putting yourself in that position with what your health was like, especially at your youth, uh, as young as you are, this is an amazing story. I think what's even more amazing too is the fact that I'm not the first Brown football player to do it. There's actually been in my four years at Brown, I think that was either three or four other players who actually ended up being matches for other people also. So, I mean, it shows you, I mean, we're a team of a hundred guys who I think annually we got somewhere between a a thousand to 1500 people to sign up when we did the mouth swab drives. And I mean, in four years, I personally ended up knowing four people that ended up donating and how many others ended up getting phone calls from those drives. I'm not sure, but I'm sure it's, it's quite a few. I I have to share. So we're, we're going to put your episode after Jim's so that the audience can kind of hear both sides of the story now. Uh, Jim referenced what a great guy you were and that you guys are family now and the DNA match. And he he told me I when I asked him, you know, how much of Jim or Christian's uh, DNA is in you? And he goes, well, I am him now, you know, because they stripped him down. And uh, his reference was, I got to make sure I behave now because Christian is not used to getting in trouble and he doesn't want his DNA jaded. So he said that he's going to do everything in his power to make sure he stayed out of trouble to keep a good name on that DNA. Yeah, he can't have that popping up in any uh, databases anywhere. The police looking for me. (laughs) <laughs> so the the idea then is this is beyond heartwarming i mean you're, you're saving a life by the the kindness of your heart and and just it's incredible to hear these types of success stories so if you have a story to share tell us how are you going to leave your mark, leave your mark. contact us leave your mark with our host vince cortez be our guest being from pittsburgh you know, I'm a, I'm a big sports fan and, you know, beyond Tulane, you, you now get drafted by the Steelers. So I kind of want to touch on now where you're currently at, what you're doing w- with your athletic career. So take me from the time that you, you graduated Tulane and, and there's a draft and, and what happens with you. I fit, was finishing up Tulane in the spring of 20, what would that be? That would be 2020. And I was preparing for my pro day and everything. And that's kind of when the world went crazy with COVID. And so that kind of threw a, threw a wrench in the system where I was supposed to end up going back to Tulane in March for my pro day in front of the scouts. That ended up being canceled because of COVID. Um, basically, all sort of scouting events that spring, which would have been the typical time you meet with coaches, NFL scouts, different teams, was all washed. I mean, I, I had several visits that ended up just being canceled overnight once COVID happened in March. And when that happens, how are you feeling? I, I was a little upset. I mean, I knew uh, being a guy that was coming from a smaller school that uh, those one-on-one workouts and experiences were kind of going to be my, one of the biggest factors I could have to help influence a team to want to sign me. So I, I was a little sad and upset about that. But I mean, like I said, it's one of those curveballs. You just got to keep going with it. There's nothing you could really change. I certainly couldn't figure out the COVID issue and, and help the world beat that one. So I'm, I'm not sure we can on that one either. Now, how does Pittsburgh wind up picking you up then? So I had some contact with them before the draft. And uh, I mean, it was, it was one of those things where you never know where you're going to end up. Mm-hmm. And uh, 
when, when I found out that was the place that they was my first opportunity to go to, I said, I'll take it. I'll go there. And I mean, it, it was a no brainer for me. Any sort of opportunity was something that I wanted to go with. So now growing up, what was your favorite team? So I, I was a New England fan. I was a Tom Brady fan growing up pretty hard. Yeah, that, hard, hard not to be though. That that I would say in the neighborhood you're in, and 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 Tom Brady has a special place in the Steelers fans' heart with as many times as he ripped it out. You were on the winning side of that uh, many a times, but um, so now you're 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 beyond the season, and you. Uh, you go to what the taxi squad in Pittsburgh or how's that one? Cause now you're in new Orleans, correct? Yeah. So I was with new Orleans. So I ended up, I was signed as a free agent to Pittsburgh. I was with them through the spring and summer of 2020 going into the season. And then I was up there for camp in the fall. And then I ended up being released by them towards the end of camp. It was tough for being no preseason games or anything of that sort for the undrafted guys to really make a roster spot was tough. I was released by them. I had a few other workouts with other teams over the course of the season. I was in Cleveland, Baltimore. Then I ended up being signed by the Saints in February of this past year. So 2021 now. And then, so I was with them through this, um, the spring again, the summer. I was living in New Orleans for off-season workouts, going back and forth kind of between the two. Um, once the summer came around for preseason camp, I was down there again. I played in all the preseason games this year. And then uh, going into the week one, I'm, Final cuts got me again, and then I was released by the Saints. So uh, that's kind of how I've been bouncing around a little bit. Well, you, you're going to crack the barrier. Your mindset is, is this just another setback, and you you have a unique way of working through this. Is yeah. you, Yours is an incredible story. So um, you're awfully young. You got a lot of life to go, but I always ask my guests, how would you like to leave your mark? in this world? Yeah. Um, I would say just to be, uh, to be as open as to many things, as many things as you can and, uh, and, and to help people when you have the chance. I mean, sometimes you don't realize how simple something you can do can make such a big impact for someone else. When people always say to me, like, Oh, you you did something that's so heroic. I mean, for me, I said, it, it was easy for me. I, I did three things. I, I got my mouth swabbed. I did nothing for four years and then I took a nap on a table for a few hours and that was all it was for me, this whole process. So wow. it, it was easy. Wow. It, it was something anyone could do. Well, I want to thank you for your time and coming by and being the special person that you are and sharing that with the rest of us and the rest of the world. Uh, just continue to have that big heart. Uh, we'll be rooting for you and, and following your path now. You're one of the alumni here at Leave Your Mark. And I'll be putting all your contact information on the uh, Leave Your Mark podcast and links and so forth so they can, general public can follow you as well. But I really appreciate your time and your heroic effort was just amazing. I, I love it. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm happy to share this story. And if it gets one more person to sign up for the, uh, for the bone marrow database, I think it's a success. Thanks for listening to Leave Your Mark today. Tune into our next episode of Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez. Be blessed. You just left your mark. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Listen to more episodes on demand. Just click Leave Your Mark with Vince Cortez.